Good morning. I'm Darrell Gunter, your host for Leadership on WSOU 89.5 FM and streaming on the net at WSOU.net. Well, if you missed last week's interview, you're in luck because this week we have back in the studio Mr. Hal J. Snyder and Mr. Dick T. Pryor. They are the authors of It Isn't Difficult to Be Outstanding. Gentlemen, welcome back to the program. Well, thank you so much, Darrell. Thank you, Darrell, for the invite. Oh wow! Last week, last week was was very informative. It was a lot of fun, and I, I think the challenge for us is to make it more fun this week with the stories that you gentlemen have in regards to where businesses were and where they are. And we were discussing offline, which we can discuss now, about what's going on with society uh, with the impatience that we're seeing and people not returning phone calls. I think a large number of, of a large part of the problem I should say from my point of view is that people today um, have what we used to call a to-do list years ago um, but their to-do list today is probably instead of five to ten items as we might have had 30 40 years ago is probably a hundred items in fact I was talking to several people recently who said that they get on average a hundred plus emails a day, they get a hundred plus calls a day, and at the same time they're they might be thinking, I need to get back. Years ago we had an expression that um, you know, I'll get back to you before the end of the day, people used to say. Well, now the end of the day is a month away, if you're lucky. And it's not that people... I got a call today from a person who said, I'm sorry it took me a month and a half to get back to you. You just weren't on my A-list, as he called it. He said, you weren't on my most important person to get back to. He was very candid, very wonderful man. Um... And I say wonderful because he was upfront and honest. Um, he could have done what a lot of other people do, and that is either lie outright. Um, but he said, "You just, I'm sorry, you weren't what I needed to accomplish on a day-to-day -day basis. You were somebody I wanted to get back to, but I, it, I'm sorry it took six weeks to get back to you." The fact that he got back I thought was a blessing because there are people who haven't gotten back to me and I know I haven't in any way offended them. So their to-do list, as I'm calling it, uh, and their emails, I mean, must be just staggering. Um, and how do you get through that and accomplish what it is that you're supposedly being paid to accomplish? I think people are just are just not able to do it because of what is on the one hand a blessing and that's all of this wonderful communication. Um, we were talking offline about uh, texting and tweeting and everybody is talking this way. We're on Facebook, we're here, we're there. Uh, <clears throat> the technology is wonderful, but and but is what Hal calls an eraser word. 
uh, erase everything before that and now listen to it. In the old days when you had one telephone and you needed to talk to somebody, you just dialed them and you picked it up and you you talked to them. Now, you know, I'm getting tweets from California and people are saying, well, why aren't you responding to me? I said, I'm, because I'm old and I'm not as knowledgeable and my fingers can't hit those little teeny keys. So, I'm sorry. Um, I, on the one hand, the technology is tremendous. On the other hand, I think it's causing us a great deal of difficulty around the fundamental communication process. And communication is what it's all about, and it's always been what it's all about, on job and off job. Uh, My wife and I (coughs) have a very uh, strong feeling about a restaurant called the Chart House over in Weehawken. And uh, it's a little on the pricey side, but at the food is magnificent. The view, the setting is gorgeous and whatnot. But in addition to that, the manager of that facility epitomizes what we're talking about in terms of selling skills and leadership skills. Uh, We've been going there for several years, and he's been there for several years. But when you go into a typical restaurant, the owner is running around doing things, making all this. Hans is moving around, but he's going from table to table. He's meeting the people. He spends a little time. If there's one available, he'll pull up a chair and spend two or three minutes with you, you know, how things going and whatnot. And as a result of that, when Diane and I say we're looking for a special restaurant, it's our anniversary next week, there's only one restaurant that comes to mind. Go to the Chart House. And this, so I gave him a copy of this book one about uh, six months ago. I got a beautiful note back from him which said, the book is not only about sales, it's about life and things that we ought to be doing in life, building relationships, understand, listening to people. You know, We tell people in sales, Salespeople have a reputation, right, Dick, for being having the joke of the day, being glib, dominating conversations, and that's their reputation. But we find the master performers, the people who listen, nod their head, you know, respond to your question, have an interest in you as a person. And Hans, down at the chart house, epitomizes all of those kind of things. He doesn't come over and say, hey, you ought to be eating the pork chops tonight or whatever. He'll come over and it's all family. How how the kid's doing? You know, we haven't seen you for six months. Uh, and it might be six months before we get to go again. But it's just, life is full of such simple things that if people understood them, if you understood the content of this book and you practiced it, and you could be light years ahead of where a lot of people are. But salespeople, some of them, oh, I'm not glib, I don't understand. I've traveled with salespeople who nauseate me because I'm tra- They go in and it's the same joke. And you know what? It's a little off color, mm. which then you watch the face of the customer. And then I may not be into nasty, you know, off color jokes. Okay? This person doesn't pay any attention yeah. to that. 
and they just move on to different things. And uh, we have a lifetime of experiences because part of our training involves traveling with either their best performers or their hardly ables. <laughs> and boy, do you learn some interesting things when you see those two contrasting with one another. Yeah, that's, that's yeah. fascinating that you say that because I remember one of our major clients years ago, um, I was traveling with their master performers up in Connecticut and Hal was in the middle of the country traveling with them and, and the comparison after was fascinating to just see because there's, you know, when you look at this, people have said to me, this book is so great because it's simple and it's understandable. And I, as I reflect over the years on all the people that we've known and worked with, there are a couple of independents that were most helpful to me in some practical ways. One was a psychologist uh, in the pharmaceutical industry who years ago said to me, and he's <coughs> up in Boston now, uh, Jamie Weiss, mm -hmm. said, you've got to understand that you have two of these, and I'm pointing to my own ears, and one mouth, and if you really are going to be a master communicator, you use these twice as much as you do this, which I thought at first, what a stupid thing, mm -hmm. until I reflected on it. Another guy in Philadelphia, um, another psychologist, um, Gil Sager, said, um, not Gil Sager, I'm sorry, Gil Hoffer, <laughs> said years ago, practice makes permanent. Practice with feedback tends to make perfect. A lot of people are afraid of feedback and don't want it. And yet the beauty from our point of view is that if you really want to become a master performer, you've got to be open for the feedback, especially if somebody cares enough about you to tell you what you're doing. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, you know, in those ways, we've, uh, we've had some wonderful people yeah. that we've interacted <coughs> over the years with and... Uh, and some very fundamental things that have gone with our concepts. Not, again, I used the term, uh, it might have been last week's program, um, we're not rocket scientists. You don't have to be a rocket scientist if you practice the fundamental things that mm -hmm. any good salesperson or any master performer would tell you works for them. It's not it's not rocket science. It's understanding who your client is or your prospect is. It's understanding where their values are, what's important to them. Hal just used the expression, um, people who would tell off-color jokes and think that that was wonderful. Well, if you're dealing, I have a very dear friend whom I haven't seen, I say a dear friend, Mm -hmm. In 55 years, since we played soccer at, in Europe for the United States Air Force, and I almost passed in 2000. And this man, when he left, he was the goalie, and I was a fullback, so we played very closely together. I didn't 
know when I returned home uh, what he had done with his life until all of a sudden in 2000 when I almost passed um, I found that he had left the military and went on and became a Southern Baptist minister and heard about my illness and had the community in Dallas praying for me and uh, I think about how fundamental that was but how people whom you saw in one phase of your life if you didn't probe into what were their values and who were they and do the, your homework as any good salesperson would mm -hmm. do you could be offending people right and left and wonder why you weren't getting the business or earning the right to get the business and it would be totally your fault and so without the feedback that people can share with you rather than tell that joke why don't you first find out where this person is coming from in terms of their basic values and ethics and um, you know I could go on forever on those <laughs> kinds of subjects. <laughs> One of the points that Dick and I would always make uh, with seminar groups is salespeople will tell you, I'm, I have to figure out what to, what to say when I get there. So don't figure out what you're going to say. Think about what you're going to ask. And then take an interest and follow on from there, you know. And right, it's funny, we're in, here we are in South Orange, and my one of my son-in-law's father sold cars here in South Orange okay, at the Cadillac dealer. I know the Cadillac dealer, yeah. When it was there. Yeah. And Phil, uh, I would meet socially. That was on 3rd Avenue, right? Yes. Yeah, I bought my uh, minivan from there. Yeah, on 3rd Avenue, yeah, that's th right. And then they, they sold the property and is there a yeah, something else apartment there. complex there. Apartment, yeah. yeah. But Phil was very successful as a car salesman. Now, if you want to look at a competitive business, the car sales business is competitive. It's probably one of the top ten. And, and Phil was very successful. So being, I have an occupational disease. So if we're socially together, we're going to be talking about business, okay? So I would sit down at my son-in-law's house, and Phil would be there, and his wife and Diane and I. And I'd say, Phil, i got to ask you this question. You're very successful. How do you do it? What do you do? You're a master performer in my terminology. What do you do? He said, oh, I know my customers. And I used to accept that as an explanation, except I didn't know what that meant. And then one night I'm sitting there and I said, what do you mean you know your customers? He said, everybody knows their customers. What do you? He said, I'm going to send you something. So he sent me a write-up that he was written up in a magazine and there are a couple of very simple things he does. He said his mindset is once I sell you the first car, I own you in a nice way for the rest of my rest of your days buying a car from me, because he knows what they want, why you know why they want it, different things. So he'll do things like drive them someplace, give them a rental. He was giving out loaner cars before they were now part of the, the whole system. But he would do that. Now, where do you get a loaner car? And this is go, go back in time. Where are they? They're all over the lot. They're all the trade-ins. So he'd say, you need a car? 
take this car. We're going to have yours for two days. Two days. Take this car. Use it. So he, he did his own loaner system. In fact, I think he created the process because <laughs> he was so successful at it. But he always, you know, and if in the end of the third year with leases, he knew when the lease was going out, do this, do that, you know, what are you going to look for? He just knew, he knew his customers just like that. When Phil passed away, his wake, he was Jewish, and his wake was over in Vauxhall Road, over in a place that they have for the Jewish, Jewish wakes. It looked like a Cadillac parking lot because there must have been a hundred Cadillacs lined up in that lot. And when you got inside, the people were saying, I don't know what I'm going to do. Yeah. How do I buy? I never yeah. bought a car from anybody other than Phil. This is a, my 13th car. This is my 12th car. <laughs> and I thought it was absolute, but he was a master performer. But it was not complicated. It wasn't difficult to be outstanding. He just knew his customers and handled them well. So, you know, whether you're running a restaurant or you're a psychologist or you're in a selling cars, fundamentals. You yeah. know, a, a, couple, a couple of points that uh, you, you gentlemen have hit on. And one is demonstrating expertise. And demonstrating expertise, it sounds very fancy. It, it's knowing your customer, mm -hmm. you know. And the follow-up. Yeah. Um, there was a gentleman, uh, Bill McArdle, one of my mentors uh, when I was at a young salesperson at Dow Jones. And um, Bill said to me, Drell, come here, let me talk to you. He goes, you know, follow-up, now this is 1983. He says, follow-up is very important. He says, I want you to follow this guideline. If you follow this guideline, you will have great success. I said, Bill, what is that guideline? He says, if someone calls you, you return that call in 24 hours. I tell my customers, if you call me, and unfortunately I don't call you back in 24 hours, send flowers. I die. <laughs> I love it. And I have I, I, I followed that. to the, I don't care who you are. I will return your phone call. And if I if I cannot use your services, I'll politely tell you that. When I left Dow Jones and got this position at Elsevier, um, it was a transition, and uh, people were calling me to wish me well, and and um, you know I followed up. And one one gentleman, Tom Clare, said to my wife Deb, because Deb worked at my wife Deb worked at Dow Jones in another group, and she worked with Tom. Tom said, "Wow, your husband's busy. He's got this whole new." job being vice president of the Americas for Elsevier and he took the time to call me back she says that's why I married him <laughs> yeah nice yeah she says I can count on him and and it's important for folks to understand that they can count on you today I was on a call with a particular very large university it was our initial call uh, with my technology vendor and we're trying to understand what they're trying to achieve and this one librarian who's very nice and she says, "Well, um, I'm not sold on on on, on, your, on your on your on your technology, your product and services because you can't deliver everything." And and I said um, to to the to, to to the librarian, I said, "Well, I, I apologize. I said I'm not here to sell you. I'm here to understand what your needs are." Yes. I said, um, quite frankly, what you're looking for right now doesn't exist because it's many different pieces to the value chain. I said, but what, what we're seeing over the last few years is that 
this company is acquiring that company, and they're putting these things together. It's, it's like building a new village. It, you're not going to build it overnight. I said, what we want to do is to understand what is your basic, primal, fundamental need and to see if we can satisfy that. If we can, great. If we can't, well, we've all learned and appreciated the experience. Darrell, I think that's uh, that's one of the key things that's missing today, especially in the area of sales. People go in and try to push product rather than stop and say, my objective today is to understand basically what are your needs. And it was interesting listening to you in that little story. There have been some major multinationals who have said to me, Dick, we want you to do this particular thing for us. And I would say to them, thank you, but I don't do that. And my son, who is a magnificent, much brighter person than I in terms of what he does for a living, in the early 90s said to me, you've got to stop saying you don't do that. You know all the people who do that. And he said, the best thing you can do, rather than have somebody go out and try to find somebody, is build a network of people that you trust and respect. And so about two or three years later, somebody said to me, Dick, we need this. And I said, I'm sorry, thank you for calling. I really appreciate that. But I don't do that, but Hal Snyder does. And so Hal got the job, and uh, and that's the way it should be. We should be all focused on helping the prospect or the client accomplish what he or she needs to accomplish. It's not, again, rocket science. It's <coughs> fundamental. But if you go from a push product point of view rather than understand need and goal, um, you're missing it, totally yeah. missing it. There, there have been clients that I have actually terminated myself from because the client wanted people to push a product um, that the market didn't need, and I just said, I'm, 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 I'm not That's your not guy. Yeah. I'm not your guy. Yeah. I said, because I am a consultative sales professional mm-hmm. where I solve people's problems, yeah. not give them something to give them a new problem. Right, yeah. right, right. <laughs> You know, it reminds me, um, we were here on a college campus several years ago. I had a uh, dear friend who uh, taught at Rutgers in Newark. And uh, he called me one day and he said, what are you doing next uh, someday? I forget what it was. And he said, I said, why? He said, I'd like you to come to Rutgers. He said, I have a marketing class. And he said, I'd like you to come in and talk about sales to this group and maybe have an interaction with, with them. So I said, oh, wait a minute. I said, talking to kids in school, that's not my thing. I talk to people who have scar tissue, who have been there, and, you know, they they know what the life is about. These kids don't have any clue. And I'm, what am I going to talk about? He said, you'll find something right to talk about. He said, just come in. So I went in. I was terrified because yeah, there was a group of people that I'm not accustomed to dealing with. Right? So I said, let me start off with some questions. So I introduced myself, and Lime introduced me. Uh, he elaborated on it. And he said, I said, look, let me, let me have a show of hands. How many of you would like to control how much money you make a year after you graduate from Rutgers? Almost every hand in the room went up. Right? 
said, how many of you would like to essentially run your own business in a, in a way? Almost every hand in the room went up. So I'm, I'm, th I'm getting comfortable now, you know, because I'm, I'm on the right track. I said, well, how many of you plan to go into sales when you graduate? Three hands in the room went up. I said, wait a minute. You want to control how much money you make, okay? You want to essentially run your own business. You're also going to be helping people solve a lot of problems. And they said, oh, yeah, 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 we want to do that. How come you're not going in sales? Because that's what salespeople do. And they evolved the definition. They thought sales was talking people into things. I said, no, no, it's not that. It's the, and we, we had a great course. And we ran over time, <laughs> as you might guess. Absolutely, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Well, you know, last week when we got to that point, um, running down on time, because these gentlemen have very uh, extemporaneously you have these great stories. So we have time for one more question for each of you. Um, what advice would you give to the, the, the new college graduate who is looking to be outstanding, outside of, of course, if they were to read your book, of course. phenomenal, because <laughs> the book, uh, it isn't difficult to be outstanding. As I said, it's a masterpiece. I think I would say, um, find something that, as Hal was just saying, that you would feel uh, would give you the money that you need, would enable you to do uh, pretty much something that as you got up every day you would get to a point where I've had people say to me darn it it's Saturday I'm not working today and for so many people who get involved in helping people meet their needs goals or expectations um, and feel good at the end of the day, to me, it's only, it's helping people uh, understand what the whole sales process is all about. There's, again, no magic here. Um, it's basic common sense. It's basic ability to ask people fundamental questions as to what their needs, goals, or expectations are. Pay attention to them listen to them, and if you can help them, help them. If you can't and you know somebody who can, don't be afraid to involve the other person. Uh, that would be my advice. Um, my advice would be <clears throat> think of the things that you get to do that you enjoy doing versus got to do. If you've got to do it, it's a burden, typically a burden. But find those things that you say, wow, I get to do this, and I get to do that. And follow that track. Um, I had a dentist who's passed away, but he had an interesting thing. He and I were talking one day, and he said to me, you know how some 17-year-old kid decided that I should be a dentist? And he said, I make a lot of money. I do a lot of things. It's okay, but I really would like to do this and this and this and this. And I said, Peter, are you ever going to get to do that? Uh, someday I'm going to get to do those things. But it was interesting, you know. There's a lot of pressure on making kids understand at 18 what they want to do for the rest of their life. 
I was 45 years old before I figured out what I wanted to do. I knew what I didn't want to do, but I wasn't quite sure that I would want to do the other. So think about it that way. But I think of the get to versus got to. Yeah, very important that. letter in there. That E to O, you know. Love that. The yeah. get to versus the got to. Yeah. You, you go from the got to to the get to. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but also something else when we're talking offline, um, you talked about preparation. Mm-hmm. And how? What was the 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 quote one of you gentlemen said? Share with me if you if if you if you prepare, you'll do it well. But if you prepare and get advice, you'll 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 perfect it. Oh, I, I was saying that uh, practice makes perfect. practice makes permanent. Practice with feedback tends to make perfect. So if you are going to get into sales or get into anything in life. You want to try to hook up with somebody who is what we're calling in the book a master performer and ask them to honestly give you feedback. Don't ask if you don't want it. Lots of people do that and then they didn't really want it to start with. If you want to be extremely successful, ask for the feedback, process it, and there's no doubt in my mind um, that you can get to where you want to yeah. get to. Dick and I, I can't count how many seminars we've done mm-hmm. together. Five seconds. Uh, <laughs> and I would say to Dick, I'd give him feedback. He would give me feedback. And probably if we went out and did a seminar tomorrow, there'd be some feedback sure. to make it, you know, a little, a little refinement, a little refinement. Absolutely. Uh, gentlemen, it's been wonderful. Ladies and gentlemen, we are here with Mr. Hal Snyder and Mr. Dick Pryor, authors of the book, It Isn't Difficult to Be Outstanding. Gentlemen, thank you for the last two weeks. It's been phenomenal. It's well, been an honor. It's been a pleasure from our point of view to be here and to be in this wonderful studio with you. Ah, thank so you. Thanks, Darrell. Thank you. This is Darrell Gunter. You're a host of Leadership on WSOU 89.5 FM, streaming on the net at WSOU.net, Seton Hall University. Remember, leadership begins with you. Have a great weekend.